Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. All right, let's do this. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of The Drive, Las Vegas edition. Today, I have a very special guest with me. I have Eric from Dealer Teamworks. Eric, what's going on, brother? How are you doing? Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me today. This oh, is dude. a beautiful day. Thanks, thanks for coming to jam with me. So, you know, Eric, for everybody out there watching and listening and maybe don't know who you are or kind of, you know, how you got started in the industry, I love kicking off these podcasts with a little origin story. So, Eric, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Yeah, well, uh, way back when, call it another lifetime ago almost, I actually got started, I was a regional manager for Auto Trader Magazines. Way back then. A lot of <laughs> You're not dating yourself or anything no, like that? No, not right at all. Right, Real okay. current stuff here. <laughs> so, for those of you watching that don't know what that is, there used to be a magazine. Free little magazine, little rag that sat on the racks outside of convenience stores and stuff like that. So, I got to know, long story short on that, I, I got to know all the dealers in upstate New York. Of course. And I've always loved cars, obviously. So then... Uh, it was right about the time that they were launching autotrader.com. Ah, okay. So all of a sudden, over a three-month window, all of the advertisers were cutting their budgets back. Yeah. And we, so I on? got sent out to go ask, obviously, what's going on? Well, they started telling me, and it was classic, because back then, you know, there was one computer in the stores, and they all, you know, they all shared it, or it was usually in the <laughs> GM's office. And the GMs were saying, well, these... Two tall, good-looking guys in black suits came in and told me I had to move my money from print mm -hmm. to this new thing called autotrader.com. And I was like, hmm, I know what's going on. <laughs> they basically just cannibalized the business internally, shifted everything over, and they pulled all the print, and they started going to this. So I was the best part about it, Jason, I said to these guys, what, you know, what is it? Can you show me? They're like, I don't even know how to pull it up. They don't even, and it was, you know, back then, obviously, it was still autotrader.com, but they didn't even know how to get to it. They didn't know how to get to yeah, it. Yeah, and they didn't even know what they were buying. So I saw the handwriting on the wall, and then I got into, uh, I got into just helping. I, at first, I was like, well, let's make websites for car dealers. Yeah. Not knowing anything about the <laughs> ecosystem. So we went, uh, me and a friend from college, just, you know, I set out to go help these dealers, and it turns out, obviously, they didn't need it because everything was already in place. Again, didn't know anything about the ecosystem. So then we started making websites for some other businesses, and then I, uh, a couple years later, because I'd already known all, I had already known all the dealers in Rochester, yep. one of them that I had a real close relationship with, he calls me and says, hey, I need help with a new website for a new dealership we're gonna start up, and, um, Fast forward a couple, uh, say about six months, and it turned out that was Auction Direct USA, my first dealer group that I had joined. Wow. It's part of the corporate team. <laughs> Small world. Yeah, and then fast forward again, another five, six, seven years ahead, we had grown that into the largest independent used car dealership in the country. Wow. For several years running. It's still going strong today, powerhouse in the used car segment. And they had stores you know, from New York down to Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, and. Um, I did quite a, bit, quite a bit of business from there. So then I, I wound up leaving that and then um, did some work on my own mm -hmm. and then wound up uh, actually opening up a, another smaller chain in Rochester with my former CEO from that group. Great guy. 
asked me to join him on that. And that was right about the time that we started Dealer Teamwork. Okay. So we took a lot of the original ideas, uh, you know, from the manual activities that, you know, the internet managers still face even today in some cases. Yep. Where they're, you know, not leveraging all of the available resources and you know, marketing automation technology that's available to them. So we, you know, for instance, just, you know, we had 1,500 cars in stock and we had payments that were at being added to them. And there was a little bit of automation, but it's still a lot of manual activity to it. And it took forever. And of course, it was, it was it the of my existence. I remember having those big Excel sheets. At, you know, you'd go over to the column, you could adjust the interest rate, adjust the buyout, adjust the residual, and then you could, then you could set it up. Yeah, so we wound up, you know, again, we, we just wound up taking some of those best practices, put them all together, put our ideas together for the original formation of the idea, and we built our, uh, our platform that we have today. We call it the MPOP. Nice. Merchandising Personalization Optimization Platform. We like to joke it's a bunch of fancy terms. It just <laughs> simply means it's an easy way to put your inventory feed in. The, the system will basically normalize that data, distribute it out. We like to say also create once, publish everywhere, cope. Yep. So we wind up, uh, again, leveraging the data, normalize it, push it out, syndicate it, and let the system drive the leads that way versus you know, taking up you know, valuable time. The dealers are doing what? Trying to sell cars. 100%. So, so we're trying to make it as easy as possible. Yeah. Let's, you know what, since we are kind of on the topic of websites, let's go ahead and we'll start, we'll start with websites. You know, um, Still, to me, the first impression that a customer will ever have of a dealership is gonna be their website. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to say that I would say in the last five years, I've seen a transition to not having a website and just checking off the box but actually beginning to truly understand that this is my first impression, this is where that experience starts, but I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, how websites are being dealt with now and where do you think the future of websites gonna go? Well, we saw that transition start to happen pre-COVID yep. and well before COVID with the, you know, the, the bolt-ons with Roadster and all the digital retailing solutions. You know, and at first it was that, you know, add it and they will come type of thing. Yeah. And I think there was that misnomer that the, a lot of the dealers were being were thinking it, without necessarily the platforms pushing the narrative or pushing that positioning, mm -hmm. that it was basically a marketing tool. You still yeah. got to drive traffic to the sites. Yeah. Yes, it helps convert, converts it in a different format. However, it, a lot of it just simply replaced the, the, the contacts or the, the potential leads and conversions that they were already going to get. It just came in a different form. Yep. And I've always said it too, and I think a lot of people would agree that it's basically trying to shove that square peg into a round hole. <laughs> you know, you've got a different experience. It doesn't always look the same. You know, you can't truly optimize it all in terms of on-page optimization for SEO purposes, but it looks nice. I mean, the, the for instance, Roadster platform, mm -hmm. solid platform. Yep. It's 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 excellent. However, well, it's very UI generated. Like, I, I want to use it. I want to play yeah, with it. I want to touch it. it. They've done a fantastic job with that. Uh, where the disconnect is, though, is in terms of how are we actually tracking that versus you know the you know the the regular on-site activity through our GA. Well, I, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up because like, I'm a fan of digital retailing. A lot of, a lot of people seem to think I'm not, but I, I am, I am. In fact, I mean, my own dealership participated in a variation of digital retailing way before it was even called digital retailing. Um, but my concern is right now in talking to a lot of these new digital retailing companies is 
they've transitioned their messaging and their reporting and they're acting like lead generation tools. And that's yeah. not what digital retailing yeah, is. I agree, but I'd love to get your thoughts. No, I, I, I totally agree on that. I'll tell you a quick story on this. Way back when we had the auction direct site, mm-hmm. auction was part of our name. We were literally trying to mimic the eBay auction experience. Yeah. So we made a separate VDP experience where a buyer could actually bid on the car or just buy it now. Sure. However, this is back in, you know, early, you know, late, like 2007, 2008. Yeah. Long time ago. Well, that, that's about the time that we were doing it. I mean, our BDC, which at that point in time, they just called the internet department because they just wanted to just encumbrance and everything. We didn't have a real good name for it, right? I mean, we were drop shipping Corvettes or nice. duallys all over the country. It wasn't, it was digital retailing. I mean, I tell people now that, yeah, our BDC had two dedicated F&I managers in the BDC and they're like, I don't even have that now. <laughs> like, it's just for some reason, we got so focused on this lead generation and, and when, you know, we forgot that you know digital retailing is a process more than a widget. So I actually remember we mocked up a page, published it live. I gave it to my son, who at the time was probably like nine years old, 10 years old. He yeah. had his own eBay account. He had purchased things online for himself through his own eBay account. And I gave it to him because I always loved to have them play with it. And if they couldn't understand it, there we had a problem. Yes. Guess what my son says? He, he said, why can't I just put the car into the shopping cart and buy it? Is at nine years old, and it was, and then it, it, that's when it clicked for me. It was like, holy crap, this is, this is where it's gonna be someday. You know, yep. the, you know, I know it's gonna go there. But again, the problem that exists is that tracking. So unless somebody has the cross-domain tracking set up, which they'll do, you know, the, the web platforms will help them do that. Yep. But unfortunately, most people just don't know about it yet. So in terms of being able to track that activity and monitor it, but where I see it's going, where I see it going. You know, eventually we'll get a newer website experience that's even simpler. You know, just if anybody hasn't looked at it, just go try to buy a car on Tesla.com. Yes. You'll walk away with a car in like <laughs> seven minutes. That's right. Know? And that's obviously where we're headed. And you know, those type of experiences are great. Uh, it's taken a while to get to that point. But as the platforms start to mature, we saw that natural progression of expansion yep. of digital retailing. Now we're starting to see that consolidation. Uh, you know, with the Roadster acquisition, I'm sure other platforms will consolidate in. And then that that disconnect will also be bridged, you know, by the, um, the you know, the just the awareness of, we need a, a lead driver, you know, in terms of a marketing you know, yes. tactic to drive traffic into that conversion tool. And, and it is, it's a conversion tool. It's not yeah. a lead generation yeah. tool. But I, I think you, you, you kind of touched up on it a little bit. It's, I mean, talk about Tesla, right? Like. What, what's super impressive with that is that the online uh, purchase, I'm gonna say purchase, not buying, because I feel you, there are many ways you can purchase, all right? We're, like Tesla does one thing, they don't stick into one right. one way, right? Uh, but when I start that purchase process, that online process is an insanely smooth transition to the in-dealership process. It, we just quite haven't embraced it yet because I hate to say it, but there are digital retailing companies out there that are marketing this as a lead gen tool, yeah. not a process tool. The other part of that's missing too is just the, the, the basic effort and understanding around the education that truly is needed. Yeah. Some dealers do a great job of it. They put that video about the you know the, the express store right up on front up and center. They make it simple. They focus on that. And then they bridge it over to the, the in-store staff. So everybody knows it. I've talked to dealers, Jason, where they don't even realize they have it on the site. Oh my gosh. Because you know, they're OEM, you know, signed up for them and they all got it all simultaneously. Yeah. Yep. So that, that, that's a big piece of it. And again, it'll take that natural progression, but over time people will get it. Yeah. And again, it's also that simplification 
of the entire experience where the sites are just going to start to realize that you don't need all the extra fluff in there. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I've been a big proponent for years of just trimming and culling out the uh, less uh, is more. You know, the uh, you know all the fat from the navigation menus. Yes. Uh, I bet you there's still dealers. You know, I've seen some. You know, as recently as uh, even this week, I saw one at the at the conference this week. They still had 2018 pages, model pages. I in, know in I've their drop down. The, I've had these conversations with with the you know marketing uh, directors or internet managers or whatever you want to call them. They're like, yeah, but it's good SEO. I said, yeah, it doesn't even be in the navigation for it still to be good SEO. Like that navigation needs to be clean, needs to be easy, and it needs to be for the people right now. I love that uh, <laughs> argument too, by the way, that it's good for SEO. If it's good for SEO, then you would probably already assume that you're doing good SEO. Yep. And and having an older page like that is is actually counter to good SEO. Yeah. It's like, sure, it might be getting good traffic. But I'll point out another one that I found just recently, and I actually had a couple of great conversations with it, presented it in my session as well, was the, the topic of transactional optimization mm -hmm. versus informational optimization. Yes. So this is the classic example I've been giving. So I, I, did, an, I did an audit on a site from, uh, uh, they, they had a previous SEO provider and they were creating content for the sake of creating content because that's what we're supposed to do these days. Yeah. And uh, the uh, dealership was getting traffic from uh, vague informational you know, media type entertainment type of searches. Mm -hmm. Things like, where is Elvis's pink Cadillac was one of them. Um, a lot of like there was one about the uh, Steve McQueen's uh, you know Mustang GT bullet that you know mm -hmm. we, you know what year was it or what car did he drive? Uh, another one was how to program a uh, Ford key fob. And okay. once you drill down into the secondary dimensions, you start to realize, all right, this dealer is on the East Coast and they're actually getting traffic from West Coast states and cities, and they're bouncing at 95 plus percent uh, bounce rate. Yeah, a couple of seconds on uh, on time uh, on page time, and uh, you know it was helpful. I'm sure somebody you know some of these terms are being searched 10, 15, 20,000 times a month. Oh sure, they have a genuine question and they can easily find it, but there's no conversion activity from it at all. No. And unfortunately, what the dealers are experiencing from the vendors, they get a report that just simply says, "Hey, we grew your organic yeah. search terms to you know from X, yeah, you know, from y to X. yeah." yeah. Without actually looking at what are, what are the true outcomes that came from this, and uh, you know, I've been on a real big push to create the general awareness around that in, in terms of what do you actually ask your SEO provider? You know, what type of keywords are they? What type of pages are they associated? How old are these pages? Yeah, and then ultimately, what are the what's the outcome from that? Yeah, you, you think as an industry we would we we would move past uh, reports around just clicks? Yeah, you know, uh, I am seeing. A, a, a small shift, but still not big enough yet. But where, actually, where agencies are really measuring true engagement, quality yeah. over quantity. Exactly, you hit the nail on the head. And then even even more so to the point is, you know, what about are are you tracking what type of visitor as well? Just yes. new and you're returning. Think of it like this: every dealer loves to have new visitors walk into their showroom that have never been there before. Same concept. It's your website. What are my new doing? You know, how many am I, you know, increasing new users? And on top of that, what are my returning visitors do? Yes. And a lot of dealers may not even realize that their returning visitors to their website, uh, you know, are even stronger organic traffic, stay longer than their new. 
yep. obviously, you know, they're coming back to either check on the car again, you know, ultimately convert, things like that. Well, you know what I think it comes down to is leadership. Yeah. You know, because look, look, you're not going to make changes like this unless you get full buy-in, you know, from, you know, from your leadership, right? And that's actually what my presentation was at Driving Sales on Monday. Do you know it's Monday. Terminal 1 or Terminal 3? 1. And then uh, that presentation was literally the, the key metrics that marketing leaders, the leadership teams, yes. need to know. You don't have to know how to execute the tactics, but you do need to understand you know, what, what is at least the high level strategy. Yeah. And from that, what are the metrics from those strategies? What are you measuring? Yeah. Yeah, I used to call it back in the day product stacking. That's what the dealers <laughs> would just write a check for literally every vendor that came That's in. That's what you call it. I call it the stew. Ah, right, <laughs> because like we try to make it taste as good as possible. So you know, we'll we'll sprinkle in a little bit of this widget. We'll throw in that yeah. CRM, and maybe we'll throw in a little little trade o trade in widget over here. Maybe a little SEO over there, or, or two different <laughs> trade in widgets. Oh, how, God, about, how about that? Oh, how about two different CRMs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that's it's so common and prevalent. But then again, you you miss out not only connecting those products to a, a, a uniform and consistent. Um, and manageable process, but ultimately, what are those outcomes from that new widget or, or solution or platform? You know, they all have to go hand in hand. Yep. So it's so important. And again, I stress that the, the leaders that are managing this, sure, they may not have ever actually been in the trenches and doing it, but as leaders, you need to at least understand what are the goals, what are, what, you know, put it like this, even simpler, what are the daily activities that have to happen and have to be measured in order to ensure success. Well, and, and once you define that's what a good leader should be doing. Absolutely. You know, I mean, look, we're, we're only as good as how well we measure our, our efforts. You know, it's, I'm not a huge sports fan, but I do love baseball. Okay. And, and I think that the reason I love baseball is because I love the stats behind baseball. Every, and, and all sports are the same. They, they still take it that, same, that far. It's just, I connect with baseball because I think on the field, I can see the strategy being played out in real time because it's just a little slower, <laughs> you know? But it's like, we measure every app at every opportunity. And, you know, we're not always swinging for the fences. Right. And I feel like dealerships are just, they're just always wanting to hit a home run. You know, so they, they don't think about all the little things that need to be kind of put into place from a process or a system right? That's going to get them to home. There's an interesting analogy that, that can be made as well from that, because if you think about it, baseball is actually the only sport where the defense has the ball most of the time. Yeah. I, I, that's a really good one. I like that. Right? Because that is kind of how we're playing. Yeah. That's kind of how, that's how we're playing. And we have to be able to switch, switch back and forth relatively quickly, right? It's almost like to that point that the dealers and the leaders need to understand how to defend themselves from the uh, from the bad stuff, just call yeah. it what it is. You know, yeah. defend yourself against that just by understanding what those metrics are. Now you're playing. You turn it around where you're playing defense, and you kind of go on the offense. And now you start to actually control it. Because believe me, the moment you turn the tables around to a vendor and you start asking the right questions. Mm -hmm. A couple things happen. They, you either get a different vendor, or you get a different you get a different response now. You know, from a from a vendor, you know, your your weekly contact, you know, your monthly contact. Uh, you'll start to really see a difference in that because a lot of the vendors, quite honestly, I hate to say it, they'll they're just they'll be lazy. Oh yeah, they have no problem hitting the easy button as much as a dealership. Yeah. it will hit the easy button, right? I think I found you know when I was dealer principal. Um, 
the best thing I could do with all of my vendors is to over communicate my goals and objectives to them. Because I find there's something interesting that happens. There's a, a level of accountability that's automatically generated when you know something, right? So then my conversations would spend, I'd spend a lot more time not talking about what we have done, all right, but what are we going to do? What can you do as the vendor of this widget or that website or this CRM? What, what can you help me do right now to get me to these goal objectives? But I over communicate the crap out of it. The, the, the smart vendors are doing that. Yep. You know, and if you, you have to get away from having that conversation where it starts off, hey, great news, Jason. Everything is going great with your campaign. I love it. It's going awesome. You should be seeing great. Because you say that to a dealer every single call. Mm -hmm. You know, any smart GM is you know worth their weight in gold is gonna be like, well, why isn't it so great here? You know, inside, you, you can yep. say that to the best, you know, to the biggest, <laughs> top-selling store of any brand in the country. You know, you ask them how sales are doing, they'll always tell you, well, we could use more. Yep. You know, it, so if I'm in the, if I'm in that dealer's driver's seat, dealer principal or the GM, whoever's meeting with that vendor contact, I want, I would want that vendor to be telling me all the things that are bad right now. <laughs> yeah. Not because of you know stuff that they've done, but just necessarily, here's how we can continuously improve this item, that yep. item, this other item. You know, just where can we continuously improve? Because you know, eventually, if I get a vendor that's for six months straight, it's just like, hey, it's great, everything's great, everything's awesome, everything's wonderful, I'm gonna be like, well, why do I even need you anymore? Yeah, no, see, like, I, 100%, I'm with you. Like, a good vendor, see, like, should be able to execute on what I, hired them to execute on, but my val the, the value uh, to, to that vendor should be giving should be go beyond just, all right, I've, I've executed what it is. I think I think the new expectation for customers is that not that we just meet the expectation, but we have to exceed that expectation. Right. And that's an easy way to exceed that, that expectation is, is look for where there's opportunities. Then there's always, so there's always a good opportunity. And what I've always strived yeah, I, we, you know, especially whether I was on my own or now with dealer teamwork. Yeah. We, you know, we have a specific niche and a specific lane that we operate within. What I always strive for, though, is within that relationship, the moment that dealer gets to the point in the relationship and the communication sharing and the engagement where yeah. they they reach out and they're they're asking me, hey, you mind taking a look at this report from this other vendor? Oh you yeah, know, it's not. It, I, I love that. It way. could be fixed ops, or you know, it could be chat. You know, it could be just anything that they're doing. You know, and they know that it's not our product. We're not going to help with that. But just the fact that they trust you enough to bring that. Mm -hmm. When you start becoming the recipient of that type of phone call, that's when that relationship has matured to a great point. And that's that's where I think everybody you know strives to. And I know people have have had that. You've experienced it where they call you with that. Yep. That's when you know things are clicking. Yeah, another another thing. Uh, side note, I've always strived for. Take your relationship to the next level uh, by doing one simple trick, and that's okay. getting to the point where you know the names of your vend of your uh, clients' uh, kids. Do you know their kids' oh. names? Well, look, I think any vendor out there that may be watching, listening, we get and dealers too, is that look, the ultimate goal should be to get to a relationship. Right, uh, where you can trust that your vendor has the best, your, your best interest. That's where we all strive to get to. And it's also the cool thing is I find that when we get to a place like that, that's also when uh, the vendors and the dealers, they do the coolest thing, yeah. right? Like when I know my dealers trust me and they call me up and they go, 
had an idea. And they know that an idea is only as good as how well we can execute it. So that's hence the reason why they give me a call. <laughs> like, help me execute this. What can we do? Right? Like, that is so much fun. I'll tell you a cool one too that happened, man. Took me by, uh, just blew me away. Took me by surprise. And for the, uh, the dealer actually did this to me. Okay. And this would be a move that you know, I would try to do for a client, uh, you know, any client that gets to that point in the relationship or trying to get it to that point. I just, I had happened to talk to this client uh, on the day of my anniversary with my wife. Yep. And he actually asked me where I was going for dinner, if I, if I was going on. I said, yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a nice little conversation. I actually told him where, he's from out of state even. I told him where it was and he was like, oh, it sounds like a nice place. You know, is it, you know, is it near you, whatever. And I didn't think anything of it. Mm -hmm. when, I, when we went that night, when the bill came, it came with a card from the dealer. Yeah. He had already paid for the meal. Is that awesome? That's a class, that's a total that's, class act move. Well, that's because the value that you provided them far exceeds the monetary check that they cut to you every single month. You know, like I had a few months back, I had COVID. All right, I got, I was in the hospital for a little bit because I just, I've had some chronic bronchitis issues. My lungs just weren't, it, it kicked me in the butt, right? Mm -hmm. And I was amazed how many of my clients reach out to me and they were calling me, if anything you need, man. What do you yeah, need? That's great. Like you need, kids need help. Family needs help. Like I got some, I got, I got flowers from my dealers. I was like, that's nice. Oh, I got flowers. And that was, it was, but it is, but, but as vendors, it's such a fun and exciting place to connect to that, to get to that level. You know? Yeah. And, and I, it's unfortunate how so many vendors miss that opportunity or just don't even see it. Because or, that's not their intent. Their, I, their intent is to just provide a product or service. And that's it. And and sometimes that's okay, I guess. Sometimes that's the Costco method. Like I'm not expecting a whole lot when I go there. It's a transaction back and forth. But you know, good dealers know that it's relationship selling, and it's the same with vendors and dealers. And obviously, it's a the end result is that reputation as well. When Sean Stapleton, my partner, yeah. uh, and I, you know, we've always uh, always strive for just doing the right thing. Yeah building that relationship and, you know, strong communication, direct and honest, but, you know, building that trust with the, with the client, uh, that, that's how, uh, that's honestly how we got by in the beginning was just building that bond, yeah. you know, and, because that's what you need, obviously, from that vendor, you know, dealer relationship status, uh, you know, to, to level it up because it took a leap of faith for some of these dealers in the beginning I can remember some of our earliest customers, they were like, oh, send me your website link, send me your, your sell sheets, you know, sell me your case studies or you know, testimonials. I was like, nope, don't have it, not yet, nothing yet. <laughs> you know, this is literally just saying, you know, I got something good and I'm gonna do the right thing for you. And, you know, and the so. client literally just laughing and being like, yeah, you know what, I, I trust you, you know, let's, let's, let's take a shot. That's great, and, and you know what though, I find that inside the dealership, that's also key. You know, oh, it, you know, that's where you see that. It's where you see real leaders. You know, I, I'm sure you've seen it. You know, over the last 18 or 20 months, you've, you've seen the uh, the cream rise to the top. You've seen who the real operators are. Yeah, we did the bat out. Yeah, yeah. Well, Eric, man, we've covered some really cool topics. Uh, for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now, um, who may want to connect you with you and just kind of continue some of these conversations, what's the best way to do so? Oh God! If you want to, just the easiest would be dealerteamwork.com. You, you can email me at Eric at dealerteamwork.com as well. Um, just Google Dealer Teamwork. Google my name, Eric Melch. Uh, Google Sean Stapleton. Look up James Klaus. 
lots of ways. Hopefully, a lot of people can, uh, you got are a familiar bunch with of class us. acts over there. I'm not going to lie to you. You really do. No, they're great people, <laughs> and uh, that's what helps make the great culture that we have. It's it's not just you know obviously not just me, not just Sean. We've got you know the depth of the culture is incredible between our account managers, our search managers, our developers. I mean, we've got some people that, quite honestly, Jason, I would never on my own have the opportunity to work with mm -hmm. between some of the executives that we brought in that are helping you know turn the trans make the transformation happen. I mean we've got we've got our, our CTO, he was the you know one of the VPs of development at Oracle. <laughs> managed like fourteen hundred I've heard that little company before yeah, right? managed like fourteen hundred <laughs> developers. You know, it's like I, I wouldn't normally have an opportunity to work with that caliber of talent and you know, I'm just a little per I'm just a little person in this industry, and you know, trying to do the right thing. But to have the opportunity to work with, you know, these leaders, you know, for instance, like Peter Bozen, for instance, he's our VP yep. of OEM and business development. He was uh, he was one of the co uh, co owners of the one of the top BMW stores in the country, and then he sold his dealership, came to work for us, and he's the reason why we are certified with BMW. Yeah. Uh, and, so to uh, again to have the opportunity to work with great leaders like that in the industry with you know 20 25 35 40 years experience as well it's that's incredible huge. so huge. yeah thank you so much for oh this has been a lot of fun the ride. thank you this thanks for great, yeah, great to see you it was a great week in vegas so